Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. My name is Ian Cheeseman and this is a, a podcast about Manchester City ostensibly, obviously about football generally anyway, and it's lovely to have your company. And uh, I have the company uh, with me uh, when we do our recording today of City legend Nicky Weaver, goalkeeper in uh, that extraordinary 1999 playoff final, but in so many more appearances as well. And also Toby and Andy are two of the regulars on the Forever Blue podcast. And I should say, and delighted to say, that AMAR Development UK are now the sponsors of this podcast. So I'm very grateful to them for their support. And if you live in the Manchester area, you may well be aware that there is a pyramid-shaped building near Stockport, um, known as the Pyramid, funnily enough. Uh, it used to be the Court Bank many moons ago. Well, it's uh, now been taken over by AMAR Development. It's one of the projects that they're working on. And I believe that it's going to be... Uh, on three levels, there's going to be a restaurant and there's going to be two function rooms as well. And it's something that's going to be opening in the non too distant future. So good luck to them. Thanks to them for their support. Uh, very much appreciated, guys. So let's get on with it. Let's let's find out what um, what's going on in the, the world of City at the moment. And as I say, Nicky Weaver is our special guest this week. Uh, Nicky, the game yesterday, I know you you obviously do all the things as well. Uh, you, you're a coach and you've got your lad and everything like that. And plus the fact that the City game was a three o'clock kickoff. So it wasn't officially televised anywhere. Um, but I'm guessing at the very least you will have seen the highlights and the talking points from the game. Uh, most notably, the Rodri sending off. So what do you make of of, of that game and that, that incident in particular? Yeah, I mean... Up until half time, you know, obviously Phil Foden's goal was a great goal. I think it was on the back of 46 passes. So it was sort of business as usual in the first half. And then the big, you know, turning point in the game was um, the sending off, you know, early in the second half. And it's, um, you know, I, I think it is a sending off. Um, I don't think you can really defend him. Um, sometimes when you're in the heat of the battle, you see red and do things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. Um, he's put his hands on him around his neck and, you know, ultimately, give the referee a decision to make. And, you know, in my opinion, it's a red card. I don't think you can, you know, it's unlike him, really, because um, you always think he's sort of so controlled and um, the way he sort of, you know, marshals in front of that, you know, defensive line. Um, you know, in my opinion, he's possibly been City's best player over the last 18 months or two years. Um, so, yeah, disappointing. He's going to obviously miss three games because it's a violent conduct sending off. But, yeah, um, and towards the end, you know, Edison made a terrific save. I think from Elanga. Um, so yeah, it was a game of two halves. If he hadn't got sent off, you'd have probably expected City to go and win, you know, three, four, or five. Um, having said that, they still, I think, Earl and Arlen missed a glaring chance um, to make it three 0 So yeah, you know, but at the end of the day, it's a win. These things happen in football. Um, they've got replacements to bring in, um, but like I said, it will be a big loss because he has been that good for City over the last um, year or two. Well, let's talk about Rodri as the song goes. I mean, he's he's the, the man of the moment. And actually, one of the things I would say that is his strength is his temperament. He always seems to be very evenly tempered. So that made that incident even more out of character. I mean, you, Nicky, seem to... I mean, I know there were emotional moments that you had in your career, but generally you seem to fairly... And correct me if I'm wrong, even tempered player yourself. Were there ever moments like that where, where you just lost it and couldn't really even explain to yourself what happened? No, not really. I mean, I'm quite a laid back kind of character anyway, but you know, certain players I played with, you know, had a short fuse. Uh, Danny Giatto springs to mind. <laughs> it was probably the, 
the hottest of hotheads I ever played with. But uh, but yeah, it's just sometimes um, situations arise and and you make decisions and you know two seconds of madness and ten seconds later he's probably thinking what have I done? Um, but sometimes these things happen in football. We've seen it you know over the years um, and we're going to continue to see it. So yeah, like you say, his temperament is one of his strong points. Um, and let's just hope it's a little blip on his on his sort of city because these things do happen so it's it, it part of football I'm sure I think Pep's come out and said he apologised to the lads which you know which is fair enough so so yeah I'm sure he's, he's disappointed in himself but you know it, I think we can he's got enough credit in the bank we can allow him sort of one little mishap because he has been, I mean when I watch him play I always think it's like watching an 18 year old playing in the under 14s he's like bigger than everyone stronger than everyone um, you know, he picks the right passes, he intercepts, he screens that back line. Um, and he really, you know, when he first came and took over from Fernandinho, I thought it was, because obviously Fernandinho was so good. Um, I thought it was a little bit cumbersome and not quite sharp and as quick, but, you know, he's really evolved now. And he's, he's for me, he's, well, he's got to be the best player in Europe in that position, I would suggest. You're making me feel a lot better by saying what you've just said because I felt the same way when he first came in and now he's completely moved on to another level. And the thing of you, you as a goalkeeper working behind a player like him when you were playing would be very mindful of a player's balance. I mean, I'm, this is in no way detrimental to any other player, but if, say, you took Sylvain Distan or you took Julian Lesko or, you know, uh, the different players that have played at centre-back, but that are quite one-sided. I mean, Messi's one-sided. He's very left-footed, of course, but he's also got great balance. But when I look at Rodri, I see a player who, I know he's right-footed, but I, I think he's equally adept on his left. He's, he's As a person, he, he himself is balanced, but it's almost like his brain is perfectly balanced as well. He can see everything on, on both sides. In that sense, he's just the player you would want as a goalkeeper to be right in the middle in front of your back four, isn't he? Absolutely. And not just me as a goalkeeper, um, I think as a manager, because he's someone other than yesterday that you can sort of trust and you know he's sort of seven, eight out of ten every single week. And what he's done... Um, you know, more recently, as you know, in the last couple of years, has started to add goals to his game. Um, and he obviously scored, a, you know, one of the most important goals in the club's history at the end of last year. But, you know, some of the goals he's scored as well, you know, have been, you know, thunderous shots and sort of 20, 25 yards. So he really is, uh, you know, he is the complete player in that position. And um, he's a great age. He's like mid-20s. Um, so hopefully he'll be there for, you know, quite a few more years to come. And uh, he's only going to get better and better. Now, given that City are playing so well at the moment, and it feels to me as if whoever he puts in that team, Pep, still is exceptional and, and plays brilliantly. Um, but do you think they'll miss Rodri, perhaps particularly in the Arsenal game? Yeah, I mean, that's the big one that everybody's talking about. I think they've got enough strength in depth to, you know, to cover his position. But when you take a player of that um, importance to the team out, you are obviously going to miss him. Doesn't mean to say that City will suffer for that because they could still go you know, blow Arsenal away and um, and win three 0 sort of thing. So yeah, only time will tell on that one. But that's why you have a squad. They've got sort of two players in every position that are international class. Um, it'd be interesting to see what he does because obviously, for whatever reason, um, he doesn't really seem to fancy or trust Calvin Phillips very much. Um, so so it'll be in, you would imagine he's the perfect one to step in. But 
Um, you know, you'd never be surprised at whatever Pep does. But it's interesting with Calvin Phillips because, you know, he's so good at Leeds, he still keeps his England place, but he can't really get any minutes at all for City. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Absolutely. Let's bring the other two lads in, Toby and Andy. Um, let's talk about Rodri to begin with. Toby, I mean, you were at the game, I, I guess, yesterday, and uh, I don't know what view of it you had, but you'll have seen it on the TV. Um, Nicky reckons that uh, you know the red card is you know legitimate. I did wonder whether City might consider an appeal, although having watched it myself, heard what Nicky's got to say, it feels as if that might be a forlorn hope. What, what do you think, Toby? Well, I was completely the other side of the ground. I sit that the obviously in the Colin Bell stand, so I was completely outside. I, I, to be honest, I wasn't even concentrating. I only just sat down, um, so I, I didn't see it at all. I had no view of it, and then I, I, I didn't think he'd given him a straight red. I, the, the VAR check was going on. I was complete confusion. Um, but yeah, looking at back, there's there's no excuse for that. As good as Rodri is, and as much of a meal of it that. Um, uh, Gibbs White made, which is a bit was a bit ridiculous in my opinion, um, and we see most players do it these days. Unfortunately, yeah, you, you can't you can't condone that. It's 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 a red card as much as it's frustrating. Um, and what was so what was so irritating about it is that it was so unnecessary. It was we were two 0 up, we were cruising. You know, Nottingham Forest hadn't laid a glove on us, and it was clear that that Steve Cooper and the Forest players had come in with a game plan to to irritate us and to annoy us and to wind us up. Um, and we, I, I, and what I don't understand as well is I think Nicky um, highlighted on it. He's so uncharacteristic for Rodri. He doesn't get involved in that sort of thing. He's seen as one of the the senior players in that group. We've seen the you know the, the new the new list of captains as Pep likes to have. He doesn't like to have one particular captain. He likes to have a group. And Rodri's now in that. And so it's so it's such a strange thing for him to to get caught up in. We see him as such a not in not just a calm figure in terms of the dressing, but on the pitch as well. He's when we when we have him in the in the team he, the the play is so much calmer so much more relaxed and so much more free-flowing you know in my opinion the reason we've been able to rotate players and play um, different players in different positions you know you look at John Stones at right back and then as an inverted fullback and a Kanji on the right Ake on the left the reason we've been able to experiment and do that is because you've got a player like Rodri who's so calm and is always there you know you, you alluded to it when he first came in it he wasn't as it didn't look like he could fill the boots of Fernandinho, but he. I mean, the expectation that 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 we had of him has just completely exceeded. It's been incredible. You know, he's he's really fixed up on that game, and like Nicky says, he's he added goals to it. Um, but yeah, that unfortunately, as much as we talk about him, as much as we love him, how good he's been, that's unacceptable. And and now, more importantly, we had that game in the bag. You know, we had a little scare at the end, but. I think we were always going to win that anyway. We were in complete control. But now we've got a problem in that he now misses the Arsenal game. Yes, we have uh, uh, depth and, and numbers, but we're now missing De Bruyne, who's a massive player and has always proved he plays well against Arsenal. I think Kovacic will be back. We don't know about Bernardo yet. We don't know about... Um, who's the other one? Um, Stones yet. Stones, yeah. And then Bernardo... Uh, sorry, not Bernardo. Um Oh, the list of injuries just goes nuts. Um, so let's let's see. But having another crucial player out is is not ideal, especially a player like Rodri, who's who's so calm. And, but now 
we could look at it that way or we could look at it like it gives Calvin Phillips a chance to to show what he's worth. You know, he's brought in, he's now got an opportunity. We've got Newcastle, massive game in the Cup. Maybe some would argue that's not so important because it is the Carroll Cup, but, you know, it's still something we want to win and we want to go far in like we do in every competition. And I think Pep will, will take that seriously like he does everything. And then we've got Wolves. Yeah, OK, a bit. Not so much of a tougher game, but then obviously Arsenal as well. So let's see what Phillips does. But um, frustrating. Um, but either way, three points yesterday, six out of six. Can't really complain about that so far. I mean, it's a big loss, no doubt about it. I mean, the pass that he executed with seemingly little effort, but absolute precision yeah. to Kyle Walker for that goal um, shows the ability to not only be a reader of the game and uh, you know an interceptor and a tackler but to be very offensive minded as it was rightly pointed out on match of the day and for those who are listening overseas that's our highlights program on a saturday night in the uk um you know that pass was de bruyne-esque and yeah. we found uh, Kyle Walker um, on on Rodri and uh, Andy. What what are your views? I mean, you can talk about the incident, you can talk about the the loss of him, you can talk about the creativity. It's just you know, let's talk about Rodri. <laughs> yeah, well, the the incident took place directly below where I sit, um, in the on the corner flag there, and most people hadn't come back in after half time, so I had a pretty good view of the uh, the whole thing. And um, what I saw was Gibbs White go in very, very strongly into Rodri, um, a shoulder charge, you know, one of those, is it or isn't it? Anyway, it upset Rodri enough that he wanted to win the ball back quickly, which he did. And then um, they clashed again. And then Rodri took a bit bit of offence to being, you know, thumped by a little kid, effectively. I'm sure Nicky knows what that feels like. Okay. You, you know, you've got... You, you, it, not so much in my case, but it, it's... Um, it's, it's fair to say that he, he rattled him and then, of course, he verbaled him. And we won't know what was said unless there's some good lip readers out there. But that seemed to really rile him. And then uh first thing I said was, that's the Arsenal game and it's a former Arsenal player who's pulled the rabbit out of the hat. Um, isn't that strange? With a clear mandate from his manager to go out and rattle uh, the opposition as they were, they were all, um, you know, one yellow card substitute, bring another on. It was like, you know, throwing gladiators to the lions wasn't it um, thing of the conspiracy theory say well i don't want to i don't want to dare say that but let's be honest the whole world's woken up to rodri's abilities probably as a result of him banging the winner in in istanbul more than anything else so it's made him a very high profile player now uh, more than he was and obviously with the game at the emirates coming up i suppose we should thank morgan gibbs white now because Guardiola's got two games where he's got a free hit that he can now really say to players, well, that's it now. I can't play that long list that Toby was alluding to. Um, some have stepped up, the new players, the new signings, and really look seamless. And I think uh, the eyes were on Calvin yesterday, scrutinising every move he made. And in my opinion, I thought he passed the test adequately. Um, and it's a very difficult role to fill, as Rodri found when he took over from Fernandinho. So the game at Newcastle and the game at Wolves, I think, is a perfect opportunity for Pep to rethink the importance of those games ahead of the Arsenal game. Whereas perhaps if he'd had Rodri available, it might have it might have been different. So we'll see. We'll see what he did what he does on uh, midweek. But um no, I think he should have gone. 
I actually thought he, I actually thought he chinned him because he he was riled enough. You know, it looked to me as though he'd wrapped his right arm around him, but um, no, he he obviously hadn't, and he just put his hands above his around his throat, which uh, I think constitutes violent violent conduct in in football these days. And uh, he, he had no choice, the, the referee, and whether or not Gibbs White should have had more or other players as Pep alluded to in his press conference. It's gone. We won. Move on. Well, we'll come on to the Newcastle game and the importance on otherwise of that game in a moment. But actually, on the captaincy, uh, we know that it's done as a democracy. Pep, uh, well, I was at the press conference on Friday and Pep, when he's asked about it, he says, ah, it's nothing to do with me. I don't even get involved. And that seems a strange thing. I, I bet that's never happened to you, Nicky, when you've been a player, that the players themselves pick who the captain is. No, um, it hasn't. I'm just trying to think if it has. No, it certainly hasn't. Um, but it's, it's always someone who's got the respect of the rest of the players, got the respect of the staff. Um, generally, someone who's been at the club a while, but not always. Um, so yeah, that'll be an interesting one. But I, it's not like a cricket captain, or a, you know, it's the captain's important, but you need eleven captains, don't you? So I don't think there's too much emphasis um, been on the captaincy. But obviously, we'll, we'll be interesting to see uh, to see what he does there. I suppose the only the bit of kudos that you get from being captain, particularly, is as we saw with Ilkay Gundogan, you're the one who lifts the European Cup. You're the one who lifts the trophies. There's five of them. We don't actually know what order they're in because he wouldn't spell it out. There's a lot of assumption that Kyle Walker might be, but I wonder when Kevin De Bruyne is fit, if actually he'll be the one who leads the captains. But just taking us back to when you were playing, Nicky, if you'd have been in that situation where you'd have been in your dressing room, pick whichever area you want... And obviously, Andy Morrison was the captain at the time, a lot of the time anyway, when you were there. Who would the five captains have been? Would you volunteer for it? I mean, how would that work? Generally, what they'll have and what a lot of clubs have, they'll have sort of like um, a players committee. So there might be, you know, a couple of the older players, a couple of the foreign players, a couple of younger players. There might be four or five on this committee. And if they've got any problems, they'll go and see the manager um, together. Um, I work at Sheffield Wednesday. I'm sure they've got a players' committee, um, and it might be something like they're not happy with the travelling arrangements or the hotels they've been staying in, or the training ground food, or the training times, or it'll be something really sort of trivial. But it's important to the lads, um, and that and this so that sort of always opens it up for players to go and see the manager. So most clubs do have sort of a, a players' committee that that sort of speak on behalf of the players, if you like. Um, because there's, there's incidents and um, issues popping up sort of almost daily at training grounds and stuff stuff that we're not privy to. Um, so, yeah, so it, there'll be open lines of communication um, to the manager but through these players. And also, uh, going back to your question about, you know, the captains and how, I mean, you know, Andy Morrison was captain, you know, Richard Jobson captain a little bit. Richard Dunn was captain for quite a while. Um, you know, Dunny was very quiet. Um, he's sort of led by example. So there's lots of different types of captains. I was actually made captain for a little bit at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, we had uh, Darren Percy was captain. He left. And then they made me captain for a little bit. And, you know, it was a great honour to sort of lead the team out, but there's a lot of stuff that comes with it. Lads, you know, you at the time I had to deal with all the tickets, giving them out to the lads before games. Lads are texting me at 10 o'clock at night saying, what time's training tomorrow? 
And I'm like, I don't really need all, all this extra stuff. But, you know, like I say, real honour to be a captain. Um, but it's not perhaps as important as, um, you know, generally you have a club captain, don't you, and a team captain. But obviously if he's got these five captains, um, then he'll, he'll pick the next captain. You know, it'll be one of those, won't it? But yeah. But just going back, you mentioned Cal Walker. When I watched the goal, and I watched it a few times, uh, it's, it's pulled back to Phil Foden. Really interesting. He makes a re- Once he's knocked it back to Foden, he makes a real effort to run to the right-hand side to keep out of the way of the goal. Else they're running to an offside position and possibly restricted the view of the goalkeeper. And it could have, So it's something that I straight away I noticed. He just arced it. it. As soon as he'd made contact with the ball, he arced his run to get out of the way. If it had just carried on going the same way, it perhaps could have got away in the ball, in, in the way of the goalkeeper's view, and it could have been called off, uh, could have been ruled out. But yeah, that was just a, something else. But yeah, going back to the captains, it'll be one of those five he chooses from, I'm sure. Yeah, just on that captaincy is the final question. I mean, you've, you've that's brilliant insight that you've given us because I wouldn't have necessarily thought of some of the things that you just said. But the bit that would occur to me as a journalist is that when the team lose, which I know very rarely happens with City these days, it's often the captain that's put in front of the media. Is that also one of those things where you think, I don't want that role. We've just got beat 4-0 in a derby match or whatever it might be. And I know that doesn't happen with City these days or touch wood, it doesn't happen anymore anyway. But that's the bit you, is that the bit you dread the leap? The most, like, yeah. I mean, listen, it's, it's part of managing. They have to speak to the press after games, and, and they don't. If you ask the manager if you'd rather not speak to the press, I'm sure 99% of them would say no, but it's part of the job. Um, and they know they're going to get certain questions. I mean, one of the questions Pep got yesterday, Ben Bilap, when he said, You know, would you expect Roger to apologize? And he says, Yeah, uh, he has done. And then the journalist said, Well, what's he said? And Pep went, Well, he said, Sorry, <laughs> as if I don't, what else is he going to say, sort of thing. So, yeah, so. Yeah, when you know, obviously Pep gets a little bit irritated at times, and and, and certain managers do. So you know, dealing with the media and, and the press, it's just sort of part part and parcel of it. It's just sometimes difficult when it's straight after a game, and and you're still sort of emotionally attached to the game, if you like. Um, where if, if it's a day or two after, then you can sort of your emotions have sort of gone out of your system there. So it is difficult when you know you, you're emotionally invested in the game, and and, and someone questions you straight after because, I mean. Although Pep doesn't get his boots on, he'll be exhausted after a game because everything that goes into a game. Um, I mean, I used to get more tired after a game where I'd had nothing to do because I had to concentrate more. So when you're sort of diving around making your saves, you know, it, it takes care of itself. But when the ball's down the other end, I could quite often find my mind wandering and I really had to concentrate to sort of bring your mind back. So, you know, for these players and managers and staff, a lot goes into a game of football. You'd be amazed how much goes into a single game of football, the sort of detail. Um, on the opposition, the preparation over three or four days leading up to the game, um, the sort of just like the detail within the detail at that level will be will be phenomenal. It's funny because when you mentioned that to answer about Pep, you know, and uh, what did what did Rodri say? He said he was sorry, and it reminds me of these incessant quiz programs that are on television, and the host says to the person who got the question wrong, what went wrong there? And the, the only thing they can say is, I didn't know the answer. And you think, why do you keep asking that question? It's so bloody obvious what, what the answer to it is. Anyway, moving on to the Newcastle game, and obviously um, you know, let, let's hear from all three of you on this. Newcastle is the next fixture. It's uh, as, as we're recording this on Sunday. The game's on Wednesday evening. It's the 
Carabao Cup. And I don't know how many people have realised this, but I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's the quarterfinal. I should have double-checked this, but I think the quarterfinal, anyway, our round, later round of the Carabao Cup, will coincide with the semi-final of the World Club Cup in Saudi Arabia. And by it, so that means that City's first team, and that will be an extensive group of players, sort of taking out a lot of, you can't sort of go, well, maybe that's one that Calvin Phillips plays in if he's not by then a regular in the team, because he'll travel as well, even if he's not one of the first choice 11. So it feels like if City progress to that stage, it will be a, a very weak team. And I don't mean that unkindly, that would play in the quarterfinal. So with on that basis, you would think City's chances of winning the Carabao Cup this year are quite low anyway. So does that mean that Pep should select an under-21 team virtually at Newcastle? Might it even, dare I say, suit City not to progress in this competition because of that complication? Andy? Well, if you'd have asked me on Friday, I'd have said, put the kids out. Now I think we've got just too many injuries. Um and he's going to have to anyway put new faces in. There's there's loads of lads, young young players coming out, ready and willing and capable, uh, and showing that they are. You know, Rico and Oscar. I think certainly you'd have to be starting them on Wednesday. And you, you know, you it's difficult because Pep's always respected the competitions that City play in, and I think to throw in all all you know an EDS squad. He'll come in for a barrage of um, abuse because of uh, disrespecting the competition. So I think what we'll what we'll end up seeing is a is, is probably a team that he wants to see uh, something like uh, maybe a, a week Saturday, a week Sunday, sorry, um, with one or two younger players in, and um, you know more changes as the as the as the game progresses. But uh, is it important? Uh, we're talking about so many competitions now, notwithstanding what's coming in the in the year ahead with the expanded, maybe global world club competition that I think we're almost nailed on to be in anyway already because of the coefficient. We're in it, so, we're in it, but it's not till the summer of twenty twenty five. To be fair, but even so, it's going to mean that you just simply cannot. I don't know how on earth players can even hope to. Continue and, and one of the blessings for Rodri is he's having a breather because the lad hasn't hardly had a, a moment since uh, the beginning of last season to, to catch breath. So, yeah, it's tricky. Um, I, I'm okay with the Carabao Cup. I think it's a it's a nice trip to Wembley in February and a great chance to see emerging players get, get game time. But honestly, I think it's becoming more and more diluted by the number of heavyweight competitions that we're advancing into at later stages, um, Premier League and, and the Champions League being the main, the main two, and, and obviously the, the the club that we all want to win. So tricky. Uh, if we if we lost, we lose and we move on. But if we win it, it's a great chance to to blood some players in December. But like you say, who who we're going to pick from? There's going to be twenty twenty plus. I'll be honest with you, my slight concern is that City progress in this competition, and that sounds like a sentence I never want to actually say, having a concern that City will progress, but that they'll get to that stage 
be drawn at, you know, at Old Trafford against United. They put out their first team. City put out their juniors, their kids, because they have no alternative. And I know that the other side of it is, what if City actually then went and win? Wouldn't that be hilarious? But on the converse side of it, what if they then went to Old Trafford and, and got beat 6-7-0 or something? Which I thought you said that didn't happen anymore, by the way. Pardon? Yeah, well, <laughs> I thought <you> said... <laughs> this is a set of circumstances that would be very different and very unusual, wouldn't they, Toby? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to think about it. Knowing Pep and knowing what, what and seeing what we've seen over the last few years, I can't. I I, I just think he'll take it game by game. I think he'll I think he'll do what Andy said. I think he'll he'll put the likes of Rico, Oscar in. He's got to play Phillips. It's going to be a no brainer. Um, he'll probably start, won't he? Really, he'll probably start. He'll, he'll start Ortega Moreno as well. Yeah, yeah, he'll start Ortega Moreno in goal as well. I'll be very interested to see how Eddie Howe sets up, whether he goes for it, you know, whether he rests players. You know, now they've got Champions League football. Um, whether he rests, because last season we very much saw him going full throttle on that. They got to the final. They unfortunately lost um, to United. So... I'd I'd be interested to see how he what, what approach he takes to it this season and whether he starts a full strength team, um and to know what dimension uh we'll be playing. We we know that Newcastle away is not an easy game, especially at the moment with the atmosphere. It, I mean, we went last season, and it was you know it's probably one of the best atmospheres outside of, uh, sorry, inside of the inside of the UK that I've ever witnessed as an away as an away supporter. Um, so it will be a difficult game, and then Wolves obviously. To be honest, I'm not I'm not worrying too much this season. It's the first time I've ever, you know, just to, not to make it too much about me, but when I went to West Ham the other week and we went one nil down, and I, I I am in an inherent panicker. I if we go one nil down or we're not playing well, I'll panic. I'll sit there worrying, going, okay, we're going to win this one. Um, you know, and maybe that's a privileged position to be in because I've always seen City play really well. I've never, you know, I'm 22. I've said this before. I've I've only ever seen us be the best really um but I went to West Ham last week and we went one nil down and I, I went with my mate and I said to him we're gonna win this like there's no chance we're gonna win this I was totally relaxed no panic so I, again about the week I, I, I honestly I, whatever he plays I think we've got the quality and we've got the depth in squad when it comes to to the Club World Cup he's gonna prioritize that and if it comes to that point We've just got to cross that bridge, and let's hope. Let's hope we get Man United. Let's hope we put a, a second team out, and let's hope we beat them. Because the way they played last night and the way they've been playing this season, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about them too much, to be honest. I wouldn't dispute that. I mean, <laughs> one one thing that might happen next season, ironically, because we're not quite sure how it's going to pan out with the new structure of the Champions League, is that City and those who qualify for the Champions League may well be putting under-21 teams actually in this competition from the start. And I don't know if you had any experience of that, Nicky, when Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday have been in the third or fourth tier. Well, they wouldn't have been in the fourth, but the third tier, and played maybe you know under, a Premier League under-21 side. So that may well have already happened for you. Um, I don't know what, whether you've got a view on that generally, but also about the, the Carabao Cup for this season. Yeah, I mean, well, Sheffield Wednesday, obviously in the championship now, they're in League One last season. They played Leicester um, in the Football League trophy um, and they, they played there under 21. So, yeah, there's a little bit, you know, men against boys, but it is what it is. Well, one thing Pep's never really done, he's never really made wholesale changes. Um, it doesn't just, anyone who, you know, gets to start in different competitions has earned the right to do that. It doesn't just hand out debuts and appearances willy nilly. It, it, you know, you've definitely earned your appearance if you get it under Pep. 
obviously the situation might arise where it forces his hand. And I think it was a couple of years ago, Liverpool, I'm sure they played Shrewsbury and they mm-hmm. drew and then for the replay, I'm sure it was Shrewsbury. And they basically played their under-21s team against Shrewsbury. So, listen, it, it, it's something that might happen. It might not happen. If it does, they'll have to cross that bridge when they come to it. But I think Toby's right. You just take every game by game. You know, the most important game is the next game and then the most important game after that is the next one. And it's a bit of a cliche, but it's sometimes dangerous to start thinking, um, you know, too far ahead um, and planning for sort of four and five games in advance. You don't know what happens with an injury. Hopefully some of the injuries come back sooner than perhaps expected. Hopefully we don't get any fresh injuries or any fresh suspensions. But yeah, it's going to be a tough game in Newcastle. As you said, it always is. They've had a little bit of an indifferent start, but it's a tough place to go. Um, obviously, it's a buoyant atmosphere at the minute. So yeah, I think it's just a case of t- taking it game by game. And if any of these problems arise, then sort of deal with them as and when. And, you know, that's why you have a big squad for, for when you do get these problems. But it, obviously, if, the, if they're all away at the you know, the Club World Cup, um, then there is going to be an issue. But, you know, they'll sort it out because they always do. Despite always denying it, I do believe that Pep doesn't just take it one game at a time. I mean, I know that's the way that professionals should always look at it, but he cannot possibly not be thinking of the game after the game after the game because these days with big squads, you do have to manage players, you do have to manage squads, don't you? I think you can think the game after the game. So you can think of next weekend's game against Wolves now, but you, you don't want to go too far ahead because it sometimes can bite you in the butt. I've known managers before, um, you know, not play players in case they get booked and then they've got booked in a different game and then they got sent off and then they missed the game that they were meant to be ready for, that sort of thing. So, so yeah, so it's you, you can think a little bit in advance, but not too far. So, you know, they, they'll, the staff will be in today and all the players and they'll be working out a team for Wednesday, a team for next weekend. Um, and then they'll, they'll, they'll take it from there, really. It doesn't stop us doing it, though. And obviously, the Champions League is the other thing that has kicked off now since we lasted a podcast. Uh, City comfortably beat Red Star Belgrade, albeit that they did it again the hard way by going to go behind. And, you know, it's almost like a replica of the West Ham game. But they showed in that game that, just as Toby was saying, you know, um, modern-day City fans, maybe modern-day players, maybe the modern-day manager are a lot more relaxed, don't get nervy, don't get jumpy, don't panic, just carry on doing what they're doing and eventually it all comes good and suddenly City step up a gear. I mean, and I, I write a newspaper column every week and I try to sort of analyse what, what it is that, that City do and I was watching the, the under-21s playing on Friday night against Chelsea. They lost the game and actually Chelsea played very well and played a very similar style to the way that City played. But it, it was a really good example of you know, a game where I didn't have that sort of anxiety that I might have had watching the first team. That's not to say I didn't want City's under-21s to win, of course, um, but you, I was able to sort of, in a quieter situation, really study the way that the team was laid out and the way that it played. Uh, and it was it was fascinating, and, and, I've, and I've written a column about that. I hope people re- read it. But still, ultimately... Pep nailed it when he said at his press conference about the Sheffield United game. He was watching it on TV because he was laid up with his back injury. And, and he said, sometimes, you know, once something goes against you, Sheffield went, Sheffield United, I should say, level things, City almost went a little bit more route one and suddenly bombed players forward. And sometimes it is really even the modern day City 
as simple as that, isn't it? That they've got this extra gear and suddenly they can play a million miles an hour with the fantastic quality that they've got and just swarm and swamp over the opposition. Just like, as you will remember, Andy, even though it's not really something we want to talk about a lot on here, when United did it, you know, when when they got penalty after penalty and they were just yeah. the opposition penalty area. And, and that's what City are doing when, when they need to, isn't it? Yeah. I think just taking the last few games that you've just been alluding to in this in this podcast, the one thing that's consistent in all of them is the amount of chances we've created has been exceptionally high. And notwithstanding think two extremely good goalkeeping performances by the West Ham and Red Star keepers. Um, we'd have been away by half time in both those games. Um, and as it was, you know, the odd miss, and we can live with that with the with the goals that the, the front men put in. So I think providing we keep the intensity up to a level which allows us to get past very, very, you know, heavy nine men, uh, no space defences. And the first goal yesterday was a great example of how to unlock that from Kyle, which I think we've spoken about earlier. And I think that's that, That's what matters is we can, we can take teams on and we've got a different approach that we can take if we want to now, particularly having Haaland in the, in, in the number nine spot. And all that's doing is giving us every chance to win, win, win games. And it's it's worth maybe pointing this out. I think is yesterday, Edison made two great saves at the end. You know, and and he doesn't often get enough praise for that. We won the Champions League final because of his efforts in the last minutes. So our defence, I think we've I think we've got um, some incredible number of clean sheets in the year twenty twenty three. We've won every game at home, and there's like a ridiculous number. I can't remember it. I saw it online this morning and and again it's about the defence as much as it is the creating chances and I think those two things as simple as it is you don't concede goals and you score more you've got four trophies for it that's it so there is no reason to get panicky we showed with 10 men yesterday what we can we can do but you're right I mean you do you, you do remember every game we were ever in a an arm wrestle with Man United you were just waiting for gigs to come on, or skulls, or Cantonar. There was always someone who was going to, you know, do you in the end. Um, and I, and I think that's what City have now created with, with the way we play. Is you know you're not you're not safe un, until the final whistle. And you know occasionally some teams are able to to hold out, but um, the way things have started this season, you'd have to say that we're we're looking very very strong. You, you quite rightly mentioned Edison, by the way, and uh, you earlier on, Nicky, said, uh, you know, admitted, and, and I and I'm with you on that. That uh, the first I wasn't hundred percent sure about Rodri, but boy, has he come on! In the same way, I've never questioned Edison's ball distribution as the modern goalkeeper, but I always, I wouldn't say he was in, in any means, you know, not a great goalkeeper, but he wasn't actually right up there with the sort of Schmeichels and stuff. And yet, just recently, some of the saves he's made, crucial saves, I think, has he got better? Has he improved? What What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he's been here quite a number of years now. He doesn't miss many games. Obviously, people sometimes rotate it for the cup games, but he doesn't miss many games. So he's got a lot of Premier League experience now. 
Um, he's coming into a nice age of his career where he should be sort of reaching his peak. Um, I, I call it sort of goalkeeping on the edge with him. I mean, he did his Cruyff turn last week, sort of, you know, 40 yards out from his goal. I, I sort of wouldn't recommend that, you know, to young goalkeepers. But sort of, he's, he's, so, he's so important um, to how City want to play as all goalkeepers. I mean, we're looking at the situation at Arsenal. Um, I think Ray's starting again today. And simply because he's better with his feet than Ramsdale. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's a better goalkeeper with his gloves sort of thing, but he's better with his feet. And that's so important, how Arsenal want to play and obviously how City want to play. Um, so, yeah, but what what think, one thing I really like about Edison and his distribution is he always looks long first. So he's quite happy to hit a 70-yard diagonal to try and get a wide man in or try and, if, if they're putting, you know, squeezing the back, back line up to stick Haaland in behind, he was always looking for it. Um, so I always said to my young goalkeepers when I work with them, you know, if you look 50 yards, you'll still see five yards. If you only look five yards, you won't see sort of that long one over the top. So you've always got to look for that one over the top. But yeah, he started to, obviously, the Champions League finally mentioned great save near the end. Yesterday, it's a, it's a brilliant save from Alanga. Um, you know, he gets his left hand down there. So yeah, he's a top, top keeper because he, he doesn't often get loads to do. And when, you, when you're called upon, um, you know, you've got to be... Um, Ready, ready for action, but it's almost for an opposition to you. You can't really press him because it'll just—it's like a matter. Like he'll guide you in and then just pop it around you or put it through the gaps, chip it over you. So it's sort of a little bit of a thankless task for a striker going to press him because you're thinking I'm sprinting at him and he's just going to pass it around me. So you you tend to find this sort of sit a little bit deeper. Sort of let the first pass go a little bit and then try and have a little bit of a squeeze. But it's very difficult. But uh, yeah, it is. He's really unlucky as well internationally that he's got Alisson with him as well. It's almost a bit like the Shilton and Clemens situation from, you know, a bygone era. But but yeah, so he won't end up with as many international caps as he should do. But you know, from, certainly from City's point of view, he's been he's been fantastic. I think he's got lo- plenty of years left on his contract, so I don't think we'll be seeing a change in the uh, goalkeeping department anytime soon. Were you nearly going to call him like a matador then? Yeah, because <clears throat> he just goes them in like. And he's so relaxed and so, so calm. Um, you know, when, when I do go over to the games, I always try and get out early to watch him warm up. Um, I just enjoy watching different goalkeepers warm up and seeing sort of what they do. Um, That's and, a great description, really... by the way, Matador, you know, because you can actually vision, because he, he does that, doesn't he, where he almost draws somebody in. He's almost yeah. got an invisible cloak in front of him, draws him in and then steps aside and does that Cruyff turn or does whatever. He's got great feet. I mean, it's amazing that it's quite normal now for a centre-half to take a goal kick and pass it to the goalkeeper, where when I first saw it, you know, a couple of years ago, it was like, what's all that about? Um, but now I totally get it because, you know, you give it to the goalkeeper, he gets pressed, and you give it back to the defender who's not getting pressed. So it's like, but yeah, so it's a different way of sort of working things out. And, and the, the role of a goalkeeper has evolved massively over the last, um, you know, six, seven years. And I think, you know, uh, Pep's had a massive influence on goalkeeping in English football, as has Jurgen Klopp and Gareth Southgate as well, probably because you know England now, you know when I was a kid and even you know Italia '90 and Euro '96 and these tournaments they did well in, they never really dominated possession. We, we just sort of got it forward, got it wide, and, and got it in the box sort of thing. Where now um, goalkeepers and even you see it lower down in, in, in lower levels now, they all want to you know play this possession-based football, and it all comes from Pep. 
you know, and people like Jurgen Klopp and, and, and Gareth Southgate and the like. So, yeah, football's changed and goalkeeping certainly changed. Edison the Matador, I think that's what we're going to call him now. Um, I want to ask Andy a particular question because I know you uh, are really interested in, I mean, we all are to some level, but I know you particularly interested in off-the-field uh, matters. And... Um, I had uh, Mark Todd on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, last week, I can't remember which it was, talking City Matters, and we were talking more hypothetically about, you know, are there plans once the uh, Corp Arena is open as to how things will be managed because the two could clash. And I, and when I've been at supporters club meetings a couple of times recently, that subject has come up and people have said to me, it won't happen. You know, the concert will be cancelled, the match will be rearranged, that will never happen, the police won't allow it. Well, now we have an example, a specific example, because I noticed that Take That announced a, a tour and uh, being at Co-op Live, and they're actually at the arena on the Tuesday and Wednesday, because I thought that sounds a little bit too near to the Champions League. So I Googled it and I saw that the Champions League second leg of the semi-final, now it's all ifs and buts, because City might not get through. And they might not be at home in the second leg, but if they are through and they are at home in the second leg, the Tuesday and Wednesday night, which is when that game would be played, there will be a take that concert on at Corp Live. It won't be moved, and UEFA won't move the game, and City won't surrender home advantage if that was to happen. And I don't particularly just pick out that particular incident because there will be others. All it proves to me is that as we go forward, that will happen. It can't be avoided. There will be more Champions League nights. Is that a concern of yours, Andy? Because I know you give these things a lot of thought. Yeah, of course it is. And uh, I, I can't imagine in, in my wildest dreams that the planning permission for the co-op arena and our extension of the, the North Stand have gone through without any consideration to management of traffic around the stadium transportation infrastructure and so on um but i'm starting to wonder whether it's actually relevant in terms of people signing off expansions in in that part of manchester because you pointed it out straight away you know there you go there's a great example of of um what could it could have been avoided but it hasn't been and it won't be changed and it will be it will be a chaotic mess um and I actually think that each Just time I leave... Jump in before you carry on your answer. I should point yeah. out to anybody listening to this that that will mean around about 75,000 people will be in and around the stadium, which is about the same as United get at Old Trafford. So when the when people come in and say, police won't allow that to happen, of course they will. It happens in, you know, well, in just outside I, Manchester right now. I don't agree because when you go to watch a concert at the Etihad, which I've had the pleasure of doing, what you've got then are 40,000 people who haven't got a foggiest idea of where to park, how to get there. Uh, whereas on match day, you've got the complete opposite. So I'm, I'm, I'm not buying into that. It's actually worse. It's by a factor of three or four worse because, again, people make a day of it or uh, all kinds of reasons why it will be a disaster unless there's a, a change of heart. They can't immediately change the, the, the infrastructure, but there's got to be some traffic management um, better than there, there already is in the vicinity of the stadium and between the city centre. And I'll give you a good example. 
um, I park in, in Orange Car Park uh, on match day and quite often try and get away just, just after the final whistle. Um, means we can get, you know, home reasonably early. And as soon as you get on Alan Turing Way, if you do avoid the roadblock because there's people obviously pouring out the stadium and quite right, you should be made to wait until the, those people have dispersed. Just on the other side of the bridge, there's around, I would guess, around 80 minibuses all illegally parked, blocking one lane of the dual carriageway. Um, and it could well be that it's similar going up Ashton New Road as well. Um, and so there's absolutely nobody taking care of anything outside the gates of our stadium from the club, nor it would appear, other than having a police officer monitoring the traffic lights on and off. It appears to be just uh, a free-for-all. So if it's like that now, and there's not, and if there is no plans, at least there's none forthcoming to, you know, try and uh, give us some sort of comfort, it's not going to be chaos. And I can see quite a few people, even if it's a big game, just saying, I'll just let Johnny Tourist have my ticket. It's just too much trouble. It's bad enough anyway, uh, getting into Manchester on a Champions League night now, even when we're playing uh, Red Star Belgrade because of the uh, because of the traffic management around the city. So, no, I'm, I'm pretty uh, disappointed to, to hear that quite early on there's a clash. And um, I feel the club... I've got more responsibility than they than they take here, but but equally the the city of Manchester and 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 its uh, and its officers who decide that allow those expansions to go ahead without you thought about the transportation and the congestion um, it makes me think a bit like how we're treated in Istanbul by UEFA. Who cares about the extras? I bet you're glad you don't have these problems, Nick. Here. Well, yeah, it's quite interesting though, because yeah, it's um, I so I think I'll believe it when I see it if if it does happen. But yeah, it'll be like you say, it'll be a lot of people's first time at the arena. They'll not know where to park. They'll not know what they're doing. They probably want to look around the stadium first and all that. So yeah, it does sound uh, very chaotic. But we'll have to see uh, see uh, how that one pans out. At least it's not much of a choice, is it? City or take that? You know which one you're going to be at, don't you? Well, there might be more women at. Uh, there might be less women that night at uh, at the Etihad than there normally would be. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Well, um, uh, that, that's that's sort of our agenda done for today. I'm just going to finish really by asking you all one more question, which uh, which is the unanswerable question, really. I suppose in you know what do you think is going to happen at Newcastle in the in the Carabao Cup? We don't know what team is going to be fielded. We don't know what team Newcastle are going to put out, and we don't. I have mixed feelings about how I want the game to finish. I never go to a game wanting City to lose, but there's a bit of me thinking it might not be a bad thing actually to to solve that conundrum. So um, uh, let's start with Toby. You know, what do you reckon? What's what's going to happen on Wednesday? Look into your crystal ball. Yeah, I don't like to predict anymore because it. it oh, you don't have to predict a score line. I don't mean that. <laughs> Uh, I honestly, I, like I said earlier, I've been to Newcastle once and it was a great atmosphere and it was intimidating and I can only see that being um, greater as a night game. I don't know. I, they're going to make it difficult for us. It will all depend on how they, as I said earlier, how, how what Eddie Howe's plans are, 
I can see them going a little bit weaker because they have Champions League and they had Champions League last week. They will they'll have Champions League again the week after, like we've had. Um, they're going to start feeling the full effects of having two games a week for pretty much the whole season, um, depending on how far they get in the Champions League, of course. Um, so and they've obviously got a, a much harder group than us. They've they've been given the death group as such, as it's so called. So I'll be very interested. I honestly, of course, I hope we win. And like I said earlier, I think it's game at a time. I hope we win every single game. But like I said, like I've said on this podcast, on most podcasts, since that treble, I've just become so much more relaxed about it. So much more. That's fine. With you know what happens, happens. And and maybe I shouldn't feel like that. Maybe I should want to win every game. But I just feel like it's it's what whatever happens, we're going to support them and we're going to follow them no matter what. Are you going to go up there, Andy? Uh, unfortunately, I'm not able to. Um... Uh, I would have done, but uh, you going to attend that playing... concert? Uh, of course, yeah. Uh, um, I think I played golf yesterday with on Friday with uh, a season to get older up at St James's Park, and uh, and his view of it was very interesting. He said, "Well, we're we're having the season you had in twenty twelve. You know, we had a trip to Wembley, although we didn't win. We've had our Champions League with the group of death, which we had in the first time we were in it." And it's a, it's just great, you know, the idea of going back to Wembley again and, and doing all these new things. Um, they'd love to beat us, of course, because actually they want to see some silverware and probably their season hasn't started off in the Premier League quite as well as they would have hoped. And let's be realistic, they're not going to win the Champions League. So probably they'll look for that game as a, as a scalp. You know, as he said to me, well, at least we're at home. That's, that levels it up a little bit. Because when we play you at the Etihad, you just rip us to pieces. So, you know, I, I think they'll they'll want to win it, Newcastle, and we can expect a tough game. Um, but I'm sure that, as we talked about before, the, the lads who are going out for, for City will do their best. And um, you never know, we might see ourselves getting, getting through or forcing it to penalties or even winning comfortably. It's hard to guess. But I think Newcastle will, will, will put a strong side out. Never rule this City team out. Uh, just before I get Nikki's final views on this podcast, uh, thanks very much for listening, for sharing and all the things that, all the nice comments that people make. And thanks very much to AMAR Development UK, who are say, developing that pyramid in Stockport into something very, very exciting for supporting the podcast for the season. Uh, uh, Nikki, um, Newcastle, do you, you expect City to come away with whatever team they feel with a win? Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends what Newcastle do. I mean, we played Sheffield Wednesday. We played Newcastle in the FA Cup last year, and we actually knocked them out of the FA Cup. And we were a League One team then, and they changed the team dramatically. Um, and then we ended up winning two one. The last sort of twenty minutes, they put all the big hitters on, sort of scrambling to try and get a result. We we hung on and won two one, um, and that's because they had some big Premier League games coming up. They had a semi final. No, I think it was the final of the um, League Cup as well. So they had some big games coming up, so they feel they're a real weakened team. Um, and we obviously beat them at Sheffield Wednesday. So it'll be interesting. It's probably, you know, Newcastle, whoever the next manager is who wins a trophy, will go down in their history forever, have been the one that won the first trophy in 50 or 60 years, whatever it is now. So, yeah, it'd really be interesting to see what, what teams. I don't think City will go uh, up there with a weak, 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 weak team. They'll, they'll go with a decent side, as he always does. Um, and if they play to the capabilities... You know, I think we'll come away with a positive result. And I know what you're saying about, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if we lost because it'll, you know, 
potential down the line. It might, you know, not be so congested or whatever. But um, you know, they'll they'll go into every single game and they'll want to win it. And and Pep will be no different. They'll prepare the same way, um, and they'll be going there putting a team out to win the game. Well, thanks. Before we before we finish, sorry, Ian. Do you mind if I just ask Nicky a quick question? Fire away, Nicky. You were obviously part of that. um, That that side that came up um, against Gillian and we've alluded to it before on podcasts before, but I just want to know from you, we see City today as this massively successful team. As I say, I've only seen us with massive success and I'm very lucky, but looking back on that, that final and we, we talk about butterfly effects in football so much and what would have happened if this hadn't happened or this had happened. So I just want to, I just want to know from your opinion, having been in, in that position, having played in that game, if we hadn't won that cup final, do you think anything would be different, or do you think how important, really, do you think that winning that that um, that playoff final was to to where we are today? The, the most amazing thing about it is, um, you know, it, it's almost got more significant. The more success City have, the more significant that game becomes. You know, I was at the club for another eight years after that, and obviously people talked about it, but people talk to me more about it now than they did you know, so two or three years after the event. Um, and I think it's easier when you finish your career to look back on it. You know, when you're in your career, whatever club you're playing for, you're focused on the next game and training and all the stuff that goes on. So I talk about it more since I've retired than I did when I played. And yeah, it was a, a huge, huge game. Who knows what would have happened if we didn't go up. And it's almost people forget that we went up the next season at Blackburn on the last day as well. That was an equally amazing season. Um, but because the... It sort of all started in the playoff final against Gillingham. It sort of makes the story quite a bit, um, you know, more romantic. And I just can't believe that, you know, it'll be 25 years next summer um, or next May when it, uh, since it was. So, yeah, it's, you know, a quarter of a century ago nearly. So, yeah, um, I'm just very sort of blessed and proud that I, I played a part in it. And it's it's something that, you know, sort of me and my family will never, ever forget. And, I don't think any City fans who can remember it will ever forget either. And it's amazing, you know, to see the club doing so well, but they don't forget the roots. So whenever I do go over to a game or whatever, people always want to talk to me about that game. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's fantastic what what they've done. It's unbelievable and the infrastructure they've put in. And hopefully it's going to last for for many, many years, all the success. But for the fans of a certain age, you know, they can remember when it wasn't like that. So I think it makes these times extra special. Um, And you only have to look at, you know, Man United in the 90s, you could never envisage them being in the position they've been in for the last sort of 10 years. <laughs> because it's only when, you know, I think the only time you could see it happening is when Pep leaves and someone comes in with some new ideas. But hopefully that's a long time away. You never know what's around the corner. Um, but yeah, I think for fans of a certain age, you've just got to cherish, appreciate and really enjoy every, all the success that we're seeing now. What is scary is that me and Andy were at Wembley in 1999. <laughs> uh, so was Nicky, of course. And um, we hadn't even thought of you at that stage, Toby. You weren't even a, a, a you know an apple in your mum's eye at that point. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks very much to, to the two of you, Toby and Andy. And, of course, the legend, that is Nicky Weaver. Uh, and thanks to you for listening. And... Um, Thanks very much once again to AMAR Development UK. Isn't it great being a blue?